I think mindset is the root of everything. It all starts in the mind and we we know that the mind and the body are linked and we can actually achieve quite a lot if we believe we can. And I think that's where it all starts. I'm guilty of this. It happened to me as well. You, you're there and you're looking for people to learn from, people who've inspired you, and you look at what they're doing. And that's actually a really good place to start. I think if there's someone in your field or your sector that you really admire, have a look at how they're doing it. But before you even go to market, you have to look at your message. And before you can even go to your messaging, you have to look at your mindset. I think that if you don't put yourself out there, you've got other people who might control your narrative. Welcome to the Business Sense podcast. I'm Gary Crosby. This is the podcast where we make sense of the business journey by talking to owners about what they've learned along the way. Let's jump into today's episode. Laurie, thanks for joining me today on the Business Sense podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've uh, been waiting mm. a while to get on. I've been following your progress and uh, the developments of the Business Sense podcast with uh, great intrigue. Yeah, good. And I'm really looking forward to the idea that we're going to share some stuff today that people are really going to find useful in their business as well as as well as finding out a little bit about you. So let's start with that. Tell me about uh, your journey to where you are now. Oh, the journey. So we'll try and keep it brief. So I I've always loved words and English, so I started my career as a journalist, actually. Mm -hmm. So up at the Newark Advertiser, so up the road from here. Mm -hmm. And um, I did, I loved it. I was where I was really introduced to the art of storytelling and stayed there three years. And then after that, I became an English teacher. So that was also an adventure. And I think the students I taught taught me a lot more about myself than I probably taught them I think along the way and it was really rewarding um not rewarding enough to keep me in the job so I I did leave and had a few other jobs in between and then it just happened I was made redundant and I didn't want to go back to teaching I thought right I'm gonna gonna be my own boss and uh found my way into business and 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 here we are the entrepreneurial spark ignited and um (laughs) you've been in business for a while mindset and messaging right indeed yes mindset and messaging yeah so just give us an idea about what that company does, what you do for your clients. Right. So Mindset and Messaging, I am a messaging strategist and copywriter, and I help my clients who are mainly coaches and creatives uh, embrace creativity, create content with confidence, and use the power of persuasion to attract their ideal client. Wow. And yeah. there's, yeah, there's something that I've really been passionate about, I think, this last year, mm. particularly as a copywriter. I've been doing that for about four years. And I would have clients who would come to me and say, oh, I need this. Can you do this? Yes, I can. Why do you need it? And they'd go, I don't know. So right. there wasn't really the understanding of what they needed to say and why they needed to say it. And I think that's where the the, the power of persuasion for me came in. Mm. And when I'm coaching my clients, um, you know, mindset comes up a lot and uh, identity comes up a lot and what they think about themselves and what they think other people think about them and things like that. Um, just thinking about mindset from your perspective, why is it so important when you're starting off in business? I think mindset is the root of everything. If you look at any professional athlete, any athlete, any person, any student as well, mm-hmm. obviously going back to my teaching days, it all starts in the mind. And we we know that the mind and the body are linked and we can actually achieve quite a lot if we believe we can. And I think that's where it all starts. I think the reason I went down the route of mindset and messaging is I wanted to show my clients that they could create they are the best people to create mm. content for their business and they can write more importantly. I think a lot of people believe that they can't write or they always need to go to a copywriter to get something done. Whereas your voice, your message is is in there and you have it. And whether or not you've 
got limiting beliefs, which I'm sure you deal with a lot with your clients, mm. and that's probably preventing them or stopping them. But mm. yes, it's that it's that idea of you you can trust mm. me, you can. Everybody can write. It's just that belief first. And do you think that people come to the marketplace and you know they've started their business, the coaches and creatives that you're aiming to provide the service for? Um, and, and one of the things that really floors them is the comparison with others. And they see all of this amazing marketing going on and that must impact on their belief. Oh, shiny objects, isn't it? Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Yes, I think. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. It happened to me as well. You, you're there and you're looking for people to learn from, people who've inspired you, mm. and you look at what they're doing. And that's actually a really good place to start. I think if there's someone in your field or your sector that you really admire, have a look at how they're doing it. But when you start comparing yourself and comparing your results and mm. start then criticizing yourself because you're not achieving things like they are, then that's when the danger creeps in. So take a step back mm. and, and yeah, look at how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Jordan Peterson. I don't think his book is, is here, but he talks about, um, I think rule number four in his 12 rules for life is compare yourself with how you were yesterday, not with how others are today. I like that. And yeah. I think as well, I'm seeing a lot of quotes at the moment on social media that say you are living the dream that you had like five years ago or part of it. So remember yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm thinking about people who come to you at the beginning and you say they might have some self-limiting uh, beliefs, which I, I yeah, I, I completely understand that. So your job at that point to make them believe in themselves, how do you go about that? Oh, I'm an eternal optimist, Gary, and and don't know whether it shows I'm wearing yellow today. Um, really optimistic, and I believe in positivity. There's positive in everything, and it's also trying to help that rub off onto someone else and see the best in yeah. them and help them realise. Sometimes it's just phrasing something completely different. In fact, there was a lady I met at networking in London two weeks ago, and she was she was really doing very well. But she even said out loud, she's like, oh, I sometimes feel bad. I don't feel I should probably talk about my success and that I shouldn't have it. Right. So I asked her to say, all right then, but why not look at or tell me why you don't deserve the success? And she couldn't. Mm -hmm. So just even mm -hmm. that sort of flipping it around and having a look at it that way, she couldn't say why she didn't deserve success. And hopefully she's gone away looking at it really differently. Yeah, a quick flip, a quick flip. And I, and I imagine that your client's, their mindset develops over time, you know, so they might come to you with that sort of slight fragility about or uncertainty about what to do in the marketing space. How does their mindset change over the time with you? I think it's more about confidence and realisation that they already have the answers mm. and predominantly it's looking at content, looking at what they should be writing, what they should be saying, how they should be communicating, what their message is. Yeah. And when they start to dig a little deeper into that and then start, you start showing that you can write, you can tell stories. I've had so many clients who go to me, I haven't got any stories to tell, I've got nothing to share. And then by the end of sort wow. of a session, they go, I've got so many stories to share. I've got so much to, to give. Yeah. And that's really rewarding for me. But it's just helping them realize it. I'm not teaching them. I might teach them, you know, the structure of a story, but I'm not, I'm not giving them mm. the stories. I don't know their life. And then they suddenly mm. realize that they've got a lot of value to share. So coming away, knowing that they feel more confident is fantastic. And if you're drawing it out of them and then they don't really realize it, you're coaching in a way, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would always... I always played with, am I a creativity coach? Am I, am I a content coach? But I am a copywriter and a messaging strategist and I love writing. So I mm -hmm. like to work with clients and write 
with them it's it's yeah. a done with service it should never be a done for in my opinion when it comes to copywriting so yes if you're looking for a copywriter if you're just going to outsource I think that can be quite dangerous if you haven't given the right brief the right yeah. you know, your values your message what it is you're trying to achieve mm. that really comes from you your passions you know your why we all know about Simon Sinek's start with why mm. if you haven't got that and your copywriter doesn't know that then that might not come through your content and it won't create an authentic message that your audience can relate to, which is really powerful these days. It's what I think most people want connection. Mm. And um, authenticity has been a bit of a theme over the last couple of years, I think. And, I, and I'm, I'm wondering whether or not we can define what that is, you know, done, done with uh, and not for, as mm. you just said, there is this idea that you're working with your clients. How, how do they become authentic? I think you become authentic. And I think authenticity has become a word that's been banded around quite a lot so we are becoming at risk of being desensitized to it but it is extremely important I think in mm. business and in life to be authentic I think you know what your values are your beliefs are and you stick to them and you're true to them and you mm. don't change them regardless of opportunities or challenges that come your way and you live your message you are what you say, you do what you teach. Yeah. I think that is a level of authenticity that I think you can portray in your messaging, in your content. And, and do people need a little bit of guidance and assistance to find those values and find those beliefs? It's sometimes it's a hard question to ask, isn't it? I think they just sometimes need a bit of, not permission to go and have a look at them. I think that's that's very coachy speak, isn't it? I think that when they just sit down and are given a space to actually focus on those values and beliefs. They find mm. them quite quickly. They know what they are. They just probably don't either pay attention to them regularly yeah. or have them written down. Mm. I've got mine written down. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, so authenticity then in, uh, in the terms of telling a story, um, how do you draw that out of your clients? Because they, you, they've all got stories, as you say, but you want yes. them to be genuine and authentic. Well, obviously have those stories really happened I think is the first place to start I think that's you know ideal it's a true story I think there can be a, a true story with a little bit of editing in there I still think that's authentic I think that when you're telling a story I always work with my clients to look at their values their beliefs what they want their their personal brand or their business brand to be viewed as or described mm. as by other people yeah. so one of mine is positivity and clarity so when I'm telling a story quite often my stories will go back to those values. So it'll be a positive story. It will be a story about, um, you know, empowering people to believe in themselves with confidence. It'll be something like that. And that's when you're living authentically on telling authentic stories because they relate back to your values, your beliefs, which ultimately is your message. I think people think a message is a strap line or something mm. on a website and, and it mm. isn't. It's everything you do and say and write so starting with your values and beliefs is a really good way to look at what your message is. Mm. And, and so when we go into the, the marketing environment and we see people um, you know, putting out their marketing content, they're trying to be authentic. Um, in terms of your guidance and, and helping them to tell the story, mm -hmm. where do you start with that? When so marketing obviously drives a lot of what we do as business owners, we, mm. we have to, to do it. I think... A lot of people don't like marketing. I know that's probably a blanket statement, but they face it with a little bit of apprehension because yeah. I think they see sales and marketing go together. And I know I don't like the word sales. I don't like to feel like I'm selling. I, I, I have this idea that it potentially is a little bit pushy. So when you have marketing, I oh, think yeah. people associate 
the, the two words together, sales and marketing. But before you even go to market, you have to look at your message. And before you can even go to your messaging, you have to look at your mindset. Mm. So I do cover the, the two elements really before you start looking at sort of sales funnels or looking at um, ways of driving traffic to your website. So starting yeah. with your mindset, then going into your messaging is a really, really good starting point. Mm. Um, but in terms of the stories that we craft, a lot of that content ends up on social media. I think that's a, a primary platform mm -hmm. for many businesses to yeah. use. I think that if you're not using social media, it's a slight detriment. You don't have to use all of them. Just pick the one where your audience is, your ideal client will be. And it's about sharing more than just what you do. It's reasons why mm. you do it, your journey to getting there, stories that you can tell are client stories as well. I think that's always mm. really powerful. There's power in a testimonial, but there's even more power in a client's story. Mm. So you have to look at creating or crafting a way that really puts your reader into your client's shoes. And that's where the art of storytelling would come in more. Mm. So it is an art storytelling. Uh, I know you've got a is few frameworks that you use to help people to, to get to that. Um, it's a... It's a skill, but it's a skill anybody can learn. There is a, a basic four-part straight uh, framework, sorry. And you could go really deep. You could look at the different types of stories that you tell. You could look at the history of storytelling. Mm. There are apparently seven basic plots that you could go and sort of put any, really? yeah. any film into. And yeah. I think that although we're not going to create those sorts of stories in our messaging and our content... There are lots of other structures that you could have, but at its most basic form, if you'd like me to share the, the storytelling yeah, structure, let, let, you would have let's... a character. Mm -hmm. So that might be you, it might be your client, it might be somebody that you know. Mm -hmm. You can set the scene if you want to so that your audience can start to feel themselves there. Now, that character therefore needs a goal. Mm -hmm. So what is that goal? What was the challenge or the obstacle that was preventing them from achieving that goal? And then what was the resolution? So what happened in the end? So you can have the character goal and challenge in any order that you like, as right. long as the resolution comes last. Right. And that is essentially the basic framework of a good story. We as humans love to know the ending of a story. What was that resolution? You'll keep people yep. hanging on. And ultimately, we will put ourselves in the character's shoes. So if we start to feel an emotion, understand how they overcame that, then we will remember that feeling. And if it's a good feeling... And we can attribute that feeling to the brand or the business that created that story, mm. then we will be interested in maybe finding a little bit more about them. That is fascinating because, of course, a lot of the social media stuff is, uh, you know, here's what I, uh, I've done or here's my stuff, please, please buy it. So the power of the story there is taking the viewer, if you like, on a bit of a journey. Oh, it's persuasion. The so the power of persuasion is is really really powerful I said to you earlier I feel mm. I feel uncomfortable with the word sales so I don't use the word sales I yeah. use the word persuasion yeah. instead so it's called persuasion marketing and there is another basic framework for persuasion which I actually was introduced to when I was an, an English teacher and it's the art of rhetoric which is Aristotle mm -hmm. so you have pathos ethos and logos and Pathos is about emotions and feelings. So it's something that we need to bring to our content. We need to help our audience feel something, whether that's understanding their pain points or their yeah. goals or their objections, their desires. It's about telling stories that will show somebody who's overcome something. So you feel that real sense of awe or, or whatever mm. feeling, it doesn't matter, mm. even if it's a negative feeling. 
you then um, have ethos, which is about credibility. So this is why, and this yeah. is probably the biggest thing I say to my clients, is you have to put yourself in your content. A lot of people feel ve very reluctant to put photos or videos out there. Mm. But we as humans need to see who we're working with, who we're buying from, and actually sharing your voice like you do on the podcast, sharing your image, sharing videos. People can see your mannerisms. That's what we trust. We trust humans. And we don't actually buy a service or buy a product. We buy into the person who's selling those things. Mm. So if you mm. don't have yourself in your content and create that ethos, which then goes back to your values and your beliefs and your messaging. And then the final one is Logos, which is all about logic, which I find a lot of brands tend to focus on. Mm. But we're not logic-driven beings we're emotional beings at we our are. core we are and we can provide facts and statistics and reasons why you should buy and appeal to the logical brain we can create educational content about you know who what when where why that's always mm. a good start to create logic driven questions but unless we have the emotion and the, the so the pathos and the ethos behind that that isn't really what converts so mm. you need it mm. but you do need to have the other two as well so that in itself is the art of persuasion and that is what i help my clients put into their content and and i want to pick something out of that uh, that that piece of advice that you just gave there about putting yourself in your content for some people that might be difficult how do you help people to overcome that natural reluctance to be seen on camera on social media on uh, you know out there I think that if you don't, and I explain this to my clients, if you don't put yourself out there, you've got other people who might control your narrative. Right. And so that takes away your power. So actually what you're doing is you need to empower yourself and sometimes that's the driver you need or mm. they need to go, right, I need to, mm. to put my face out there or just I need to overcome it. I just need to do it. You know, feel the fear and do it anyway mm. is, you know, it's a great book, by the way. It is. And Susan Jeffers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think when you realize that there is only you to put yourself out there, you can't rely on anyone else. Mm. They just go and do it. And then they realize actually the thought was worse than the actual action. Yeah. And we've only got one face. So <laughs> I've only got one. I've got to use it. this. This is it. This is yeah. my voice. This is yeah, my yeah. face. And, you know, I think that's you know, it's part of authenticity to be out there and, and to show who you are and, you know, the occasional vulnerabilities and, uh, and things like that. Um, so when it comes to the practical help, you said working um, with, not, uh, not mm -hmm. done, sorry, done with, not done for. Yes. That, that's right. Um, what does that mean in terms of um, your client's journey? Oh, so there's lots of different ways that uh, I work with clients. So I can teach them how. So Especially if you've got a team, I know that a lot of coaches uh, are, are expanding and they've got small teams now, mm -hmm. uh, same with creatives. So if you've got someone in your team who could control your content, could create your content, but isn't, you know, isn't a copywriter or isn't a marketer. I mean, yeah. we are all marketers, I think, if we own and run businesses, then it's um, taking them through step by step of the art of storytelling, looking at the art of rhetoric as well and how mm. you can incorporate that to create content consistently. You'll always have something to say and then they can do it in-house mm -hmm. so that they haven't got to go to copywriters or outsource to marketing agencies necessarily. Yeah. And then the the other option is a, a messaging strategy session. I love doing these because it really gets to the heart and soul of a business. So I am passionate about personality-driven content. Again, it mm -hmm. shows the ethos of a, of a business, of a person. And from that strategy session, I can then 
write a lovely a lovely report, not just a report, a lovely report <laughs> that they can then take to perhaps external copywriters or marketing agencies, but it has everything about them in it. Mm. Or if we really get on, then I can do it with them. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got to like who you're working with. And, and I think that was one of the first things I learned in business. I said yes to everything when I first started nearly four years ago. Mm. And that's really hard because if you don't connect with or relate to who you're working with, you then don't do as great a job. And then that impacts on you. Mm. So yes, it's my, one of my first rules that, yes, I work with coaches and creators, but when I really work with the people that I like. Yeah. Yeah. And and same for them. They have to like me. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I, and I like the concept of personality driven marketing. Let's just explore that for a second. You've talked about storytelling. You've talked about authenticity and things like that. How do we get, how do we coach, how do we teach people to put their personality into the marketing? So I think with written content, this is where it becomes, I say, more of a challenge mm. because we know that I th- someone will probably pick me up on this statistic. It's around 7% of our communication actually comes through words. Mm-hmm. Everything else is nonverbal. It's yep. how we how we act. It's our body language. It's our tone of voice. So how do we then get that into written content? So that's where the challenge is because you've only got 7%. Mm. So I always tell my clients to write like you speak. Mm. So yeah. if you have an yeah. accent, you can't put that through your content. But if you have a dialect um use the words that you would use you know Mm. don't try and use jargon or what you deem to be professional speak or industry speak be yourself it's going back to that authentic element so if you use particular words it's part of your dialect I'd say I'm northern I'm midlands I'm from Nottinghamshire originally but I'll use things that are probably (laughs) typically northern Mm. and and I think that there's a charm in that when you can write as you speak, if you have a socioelect as well. So a socioelect would be what you'd use with your peers. Right. So obviously now Gen Zs have a definite socioelect that they would use. If they were writing, I would encourage them to write like you speak. If you use yeah. that slang or that terminology and you know that that's what your audience relates to, put that in there as well. Don't try and be anything else but you. Again, be authentic. So you can get that in there. You can get the pace of how you talk. Hmm. I talk quite quickly a lot. So I do like long sentences. They do say as a copywriter, have short sentences. SEO likes short sentences. But... Yeah, right like you speak. Mm. And what about, so if, if we think like the purpose of marketing is um, to grab people's attention. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I see people trying to be a little bit edgy or being a little bit attention grabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what would you say about that? Is that, a, is that a tactic worth considering even if it's not quite you? I think you have to do what you feel comfortable with because if you try and be anything other than you, then that shows. And mm. I think authenticity will always help your business, but inauthenticity will kill it. Right. So if you if you feel it's fake or forcing it, I think that we can, you know, the, the public can, are not stupid. So mm. they're more familiar with these tactics now. And I feel that they crave connection. We all crave connection. I think COVID had a huge part to play in that, that mm. after being locked away for two years, we now crave more of that interaction, that human connection. And I think we now look for that in brands. Mm. So that is why personality-driven content, you know, done with not done for mm. it's a it's a team element it's we're in this together and mm. i think that that has continued since covid and i think a lot of brands are taking mm. that on board so, so you've you've got to grab attention somehow yes uh, and i'm wondering whether or not there's any place in in that marketing mix for um a slight air of vulnerability does that belong anywhere yes i think i think you can be vulnerable if you've got a lesson learned that you want to share or a mistake that you made or mm. i think i think vulnerability 
can be good if again used wisely or used sparingly as a business you also don't want to be completely vulnerable and say Mm. things that you did wrong yesterday you know if you've got then a client meeting coming up tomorrow (laughs) but things that you might have learned from in the past that might be a year old six months old and that you can now look back on from a, a place of learning I think that sort of vulnerability always goes a long way but I'd have to see I'd have to see it yeah yeah um, and let's just talk about marketing generally. I mean, you've you've been in the space now for four years. You said, um, what kind of trends are you noticing now as as we come towards the end of twenty twenty three? It's it's that relatability. I think that twenty twenty three is about relatability and mm. showing that you can connect with your audience. I think that's been quite a a trend. I think that has been happening, you know, before mm. before this mm. year, but. Yes, relatable content is what's needed. So again, if we look at persuasion and the art of rhetoric, that's the ethos mm. element. So, mm. you know, share mm. share what you've learned, share who you are, share why you do what you do, share a little bit about who you are behind the scenes as well, not yeah. just in business. I think we like to know more about the person. I think this goes down to like the celebrity factor. If ever you see a celebrity in a magazine, you know, as much as I was the media, I do hate this as well, but you, they, they're snapped in their joggers mm. and they're picking up a pint of milk or they're taking their kids to school. We're yeah. obsessed with it because we like to see that they're human and that they're like us. Mm. And I even used to get this as a teacher. If you were walking around the supermarket and a, a student would see you, they wouldn't necessarily say anything, but say you saw them on the Monday morning in mm. your English lesson, you'd look at them and they'd look at you and you'd be like, yeah, I saw you in Sainsbury's. <laughs> and it's almost that connection that you can have and and that can, can yeah. build bridges. It can really form relationships. So sharing what you like and what makes you 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 can create a connection on a different level Mm. so I know so I'm a I'm a a military wife I recently got married last year Mm. and I know that you your former forces as well so we already have that connection and we kind of we built upon that when we met each other and it was Mm. that was the spark and then everything else builds on that so Mm. if we'd not revealed Mm. that we probably would have been talking about I don't know marketing or, or something <laughs> along those lines instead but having that real human connection that we share yeah. just it makes you almost I was like, oh I understand you and there's something about the platforms isn't there because when you think about LinkedIn um, if I um, go back even just a couple of years the, you would often see on LinkedIn you know angry commenters would be like this is not Facebook <laughs> it's not Facebook <laughs> so you know LinkedIn that's created itself as a professional network where yes. people do professional things and they put professional content out there. How can you be human on on LinkedIn? You know what? I'm finding LinkedIn a little, I say strange, it's brilliant. I love LinkedIn. Mm. But the content that I put on LinkedIn, if it's educational, so I obviously do what I say and, mm. I, and I have my educational content and I put that on Instagram and it does well on Instagram. People want the added value. They want to learn. You put that on LinkedIn, no. Yeah. People don't really want to know, but you put something celebratory on there or a lesson that you've learned. And mm. so more of the ethos element and behind the scenes and people really love that. So yeah. I think that's the content that always does well. So yes, it isn't Facebook, but I do think there's a way of sharing content that will always have almost a business message to it. Mm. So mm. I think one one post I did was I went to I went to Hokan Beach and it was my time just to almost unplug and mm. switch off 
So it wasn't a business post, but it kind of was. And actually people really related to that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. finding things that your audience will relate to, even if it's not officially strictly business. And as long as you're not posting a, I don't know, a family event every day, <laughs> then it's it's all yeah. about balance, isn't it? As with the, most things in life. My most successful ever LinkedIn post was a picture of my dog. Oh, put your pets on there and, and you'll win. But but if you started doing that every day, you could guarantee people would be like, right, okay, Gary. Well, he died. You know a, you love he, your dog. He died a couple of weeks previously. And, oh, and I put a little post out. This is a couple of years ago. And I put a post out saying that I didn't realize how much of a presence he'd been in yes. my life. And there was now this gap. Um, and it just went bonkers. It yeah. went viral globally with people commenting 54,000 comments or something. It was just absolutely outrageous. But That's amazing. There we go, LinkedIn. But it is. I think that that if you look at the authenticity piece, was it was lifting the curtain on your business, but it was showing you as Gary, the mm. human who had a dog rather than <laughs> Gary, the business coach. Yeah, and yeah. actually it just yeah. made people go, oh, I've got a dog. Oh, I, oh, I would feel the same. And so I, they really empathize with you. So the feelings that you would have stirred with that, we're going to pathos, were, were there. Not that that was mm. the intent necessarily, no. but very powerful. But yeah. yeah, dogs and kids, sorted. So let's, um, let's uh, talk about the technology as well, because obviously the technology is changing a lot. Um, and uh, you said that you'd spent some time as a copywriter. You know, uh, for the last 12 months, I've been hearing that copywriting is dead because <laughs> there's now a machine that will do that for you. There is. Um, what, are you, what are you seeing in terms of those technology trends? I think that they're empowering. I think whether or not you're surprised to hear a copywriter say that, but there are some people who can't afford to, or it's not within their budget to go and get a copywriter to create their content. Mm. So ChatGPT, and there are many other forms of AI out there, is really supporting and helping those business owners create content. Mm. Obviously, it comes with a warning. The warning is don't just copy and paste what ChatGPT puts out there because a, you don't know how many other people have had access to that similar content. You know, mm -hmm. it might not be bespoke yeah. to you each time. And you can also spot ChatGPT content a mile off now, mm. especially it'll chuck out a load of emojis and quite a lot of the thing. And people are listing those and you just think, mm. Mm. so if people know that it's AI, I think people will lose trust. So I think, you know, the ethos element, you might lose a little bit of credibility, but absolutely use it for inspiration, use it for ideas, use it for content idea generation take it, build on it, add your voice, add your authenticity. Mm. So I do think it's really powerful and it will just make us do things quicker. Like, you know, mm. we, we evolve, we progress with everything in, in life. And how many times have you been to a library recently? Mm. We, we all get eBooks and audio books. Yeah. Um, yet libraries are still going because people do still enjoy to, to, to go. And how many times have you shopped on Amazon this week rather than going on the high street? It's just part of that evolution, I think. So I don't think copywriters are going to lose out. I'm, you know, I, I am a copywriter. I know that I'm a messaging strategist as well. So I like to think there's two strings to my bow. But mm. in terms of the actual copywriting, it's, it is an art, it is a skill, but it also can be learned. And I'm teaching my clients mm. to do that. And if they can get some inspiration from, from AI, then yeah, it is. It's just part of the evolution. And it just means we will create more in the time that we've got rather mm. than necessarily losing jobs but th but that's quite an interesting balance equation isn't it because you could say to somebody um as i've done with some of my clients you know it's, it's a great thing for outlines and frameworks and mm -hmm. ideas but what you can do is create content with it and instantly become in inauthentic yes so you become consistent and productive and you've got lots and lots of uh, things to say and do because this machine has produced it for you mm -hmm. but out there in the marketing world you're now viewed instantly as inauthentic 
And I think this is why I've now sort of really said I, I create personality-driven content because mm. ChatGPT and AI will never know the heart and soul of a business, your drives, your stories, your passions, mm. your reasons why. So you can get probably, I talk about Logos, I talk about Logic, probably ChatGPT can spit a lot of that out for you. Mm. But when it comes to creating emotion and helping other your readers or other clients feel emotion, then I don't think AI will ever be able to replace that. It will never be able to replace the human element of branding, mm. which is you. Mm. So yeah, indeed. Uh, and let's imagine that you've you've got your message, your mindset right. First of all, you've got your messaging strategy right. You're beginning to produce lots of content. There's lots of other technology there to help you schedule stuff and things mm -hmm. like that. Do you work with that? Do you advise your clients on how to yes, use those kind I, of things? Yes, I do. I I work with clients. So when I create the, the done with content, I will then go and schedule it for them. Then my idea is that they have helped me create it. So it's authentically mm. them. It's you, their words. You know, we, we talk for 90 minutes, you know, to, to sort of create mm. this content and then I go away and do it. But I'll schedule it for them so that they can forget about it in mm -hmm. a sense and just focus on their business. They, they know that marketing and sort of social media will help drive um, and create a presence for them. But it's that idea that, yes, it's scheduled. It can be forgotten for now. They can do other bits in between. So scheduling tools are are great. I do still think, again, though, that there's great credit in showing up live, shall we say. So mm. you post and, you know, there are so many algorithms, which, you know, I don't know all of the algorithms. Don't know any of the algorithms. They change them all the time. And they keep them fairly but close they to the chest. They don't do. They do. Yeah. And I believe that my last sort of. Um, understanding that LinkedIn has like the golden two hours. So when you post and people are interacting, mm. you've, you know, in that first two hours, that first window, then that's when you should be replying. You should be, you know, mm. um, engaging with the comments that are given. So showing up live will always, always be the mm. first option and, and that you should take if, if you can do it yourself. But not everyone has that luxury. Mm. And actually you have a business to run. So what <laughs> tools can we use? The scheduling tools, you know, I think you'll find them everywhere. Obviously LinkedIn now has its own on its platform, which is mm -hmm. great. So use that. So hopefully that's that's great for content as well. Mm. And sh show up where you can, but if not, schedule. And I guess there must be a balance in there somewhere because, you know, there, there'll be um, the right amount of times to appear in people's feeds and then there'll be a, an amount that's just too much and people are like I'm fed up of that or I don't want to mm. see that again or this is a message that I'm getting too often how do you advise your your clients to find like the the balance be there be seen but don't overwhelm people yes I th oh, the thing is you hear different things from different sources so I think again it's finding what's manageable for you what you can do consistently mm. I think you know I've read oh you should post twice a day and then sometimes yeah. you should repost that same post and you just think mm, that's a bit much I think anywhere between three or four times a week on LinkedIn works quite nicely um you can maybe schedule posts particularly if they're logic driven and they're talking about what you do mm. and uh, mm. answering questions, you can have those scheduled in advance but things that might have happened yesterday that you want to talk about that are, are poignant so I mean can you guess what I'm going to be posting about later I'm sure it'll be something to do with the podcast it but that's be. because it's happened now if I posted that in two weeks it would kind of lose its its resonance maybe so oh, yeah. I think that yes be choose what you can do if you're going to be doing it live and then maintain that or choose how many you want to schedule and maybe try and do one live in between mm. and when I say live I mean post it directly like there and then and be around to respond to any comments. I mean, and that's just LinkedIn. I think with things like Instagram, which people might explore and Facebook, again, I think having a similar approach. But I think 
what I like to tell my clients is it's down to them. It's all such a personal decision. Mm. And if you're waiting for somebody to tell you what you should post and when you should post it, you kind of lose control of your business. And isn't the whole thing that actually it's your business and you started it, you started it for a reason. So connect with your clients in the way that you feel comfortable. So if showing up five times a week doesn't feel right, it's not authentic. Don't do it. If showing up twice is better, do that. And it might be then it's just a slow grow or it might be that it grows really quickly. Every business is different because every person is different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Uh, and, and just to finish off, um, Laurie, I'm thinking about um, trends for the future and things that are coming down the line in, in marketing. Can you see um, the way that the platforms are used or the way that marketing is used, you know, evolving in, in any particular way in the coming uh, couple of years? Gosh, well, I don't think any of us could have expected ChatGPT to happen even a year ago. So Mm. I have no idea in terms of trends. All I can say is what will probably never go out of fashion, and that is people-focused connection. I think that is always going to be on trend. So I think think in terms of trends that we haven't seen yet or don't know that are coming, it's embrace it, try it, explore it, Mm -hmm. but just choose what's authentically you. Don't choose it because everyone else is doing it. Mm. I think if you do that, then it's not going to work because you don't believe in it. Mm. If you believe in something, you have more control over it. You've got more passion for it, more excitement. And if you've got that, I don't think you can go wrong. Mm. I mean, who remembers Clubhouse? What what happened to Clubhouse? Yeah, very good point. And Threads. Who even knows what Threads is on Instagram yet? I know that (laughs) I'm not exploring it, but I can tell you that there are so many people selling courses on it. Yeah. So it's... um, it's picking what's right for you. Mm. So, yes, I do remember Clubhouse. I think I've still got an account, but I've never used it, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, look, um, Laurie, it's been, a, it's been a gallop through all the different aspects of marketing, and I appreciate the fact that you've given so much advice as well. So uh, let me say two things. First of all, thank you for the chocolate. Oh, you're very which welcome. Which is great. You'll, all, you'll always be welcome with that. And thank you for joining <laughs> me on the Business Sense podcast. Thank you for having me. I've thank really, you. really enjoyed it, and that has flown by. Great. Thank you.